Hello, welcome back to the Pro Tri News Podcast. Before we get started on our exciting race week, uh, we have a little housekeeping things to attend to. Pat, do you want to tell everyone what happened this last weekend? I mean, guys, I'm riding on a high. Um, Friday morning, I had a month. I Really, it was a two-month goal that I had because I had I did not run at all. And then I started running in March. I ran every single day in March. And then I had my wife build me a training plan for April. And my goal was to run sub-22 minutes on the on April 30th. I'm thrilled to report that I ran a 21.53. I went super deep, um, zero warm-up. I just got on the treadmill at 8.5 and started running. And then I closed. Uh, my final mile was a 6.34 mile. So mile PR for me in 2021 um hey. i'm really i'm really aiming now for sub 20 uh, i'm gonna go do a workout after this i've got five by 800s at at even faster than i ran this this past friday so yeah really appreciate the love really appreciate the support but that was like an awesome weekend but it started i mean it started on friday morning for me at 6 15 uh with with that pr <laughs> i love it i love it nice and i, I mean you're gonna make you, it really exciting for our, our kona and you two were the first people that I texted. But I, yeah, I, the worst part was is that I was uh, Gwen was upstairs sleeping and she heard me like self talking the final mile like come on look, you can do this come on going <laughs> grunting through it. <laughs> oh, I love those runs. So I love much. it. I love it. And Talbot, you obviously had a fantastic time down in St. George, Utah. You want to talk to us about it? Tell us how great of a time uh, you know, you had. my back, i got to say, my back is extremely sore right now. Ever since I finished Lionel's post-race video yesterday, I've been patting myself on my back, and I haven't stopped. <laughs> and so I can, like, I can't even bend over right now. It's so sore. <laughs> no, it was, <laughs> it was an incredible weekend. I mean, you can't. It's these weekends that you're like, you want to sit back and be like, wow, we're doing this. We're actually making the freaking sport interesting. We're actually making it to where people want to tune in, tune in and engage uh, and interact with the athletes and all that. So, I mean, uh, my job is just merely a reflection of, of the results of the athletes. I mean, I got you got to give all the credit to the athletes. They're the ones that put on the show. They're the ones that talk to the camera. They're the ones that, that make my job easy. I've always told this to Pat, you guys, whoever in the past, like, I just wish people could see what, what, what I see. So it's not like that I'm doing anything different or I'm bringing something that someone hasn't done it yet. It's just that we are, we are showing everyone an inside look on what goes on in the triathlon world. This, this stuff has always happened. But we're able to capture it on film. There's been tons of 70 to point three battles where people run early to the finish line, but you just you never see it. So it was just that we're able to bring it to the people, build an audience, and all that is just uh, yeah, it's just awesome. So for sure, it, I mean, it was really. We're going to go into the race here in a second, but as far as it was, race day was really a perfect storm. We're going to talk about this. We've talked about it all year. There's fewer races, so the fields are stacked, and because this was a North American championship, everybody was there, had a bunch of Europeans fly over. It it wasn't a world championship race, but it felt, it had that feeling to it. Even just watching it, the Facebook feed was fantastic. Um, really, really cool, really cool race weekend. 
Pat, do you re-downloaded Facebook so you can watch the race, right? Or do you um, use Gwen's again? No, I use Gwen's account. I used I was nice. I was on Gwen's account. Yeah, I'm still Facebook free. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, basically, for a recap, the people that didn't that didn't weren't able to tune in, it basically was an insane group that essentially rode. Of course, you have your standard deficit chase pack. Lionel Sanders chase pack chases all up to the front. Big pack comes rolling into town. The run starts. There's four to five guys: uh, Lionel, Sam Log, Magnus, Rudy von Berg. And they just battle it all the way out, and it, it comes down to the final mile with Sam and Lionel just running neck and neck, and uh, the pace was just a tad bit too hot for Sam or or the, um, I guess the the race wisdom or experience of Lionel was able to trump Sam. So it came down to just uh, the last, I'd say, 400 meters where Lionel was able to take it. So you, you can watch the, the final 5K on Lionel's YouTube channel, but. There's a lot of things that we can also hit on too in the race that that affected the race. For example, I think that um, just like Pat, you, you could probably attest to it more than I. I mean, these races, since there's so few of them, there was 65 guys that started the race this weekend. I mean, what are your thoughts on that on a 70.3? I think it's awesome. I mean, I, I think that... Sh- what we're seeing and what we're getting what we're getting to see is we're getting to see 90% of the best athletes in the world race against each other a bunch of times and we even I mean, we saw this at Galveston which was like a way boosted field from what it normally is we saw this at Miami um, I think coming out of covid and re and basically restarting triathlon events what better way to do this than with just like these high horsepower races so i think it was awesome i think reflecting back on saint george the biggest thing that was that was um so interesting to me was the lead changes when Mm -hmm. have we seen a 70.3 with that many lead changes um you know lionel made a, a couple of times he made some decisive attacks that i thought were going to finish the race and it was it he got passed back. It was like everybody was was attacking and going as hard as they could. Uh, I I thought it was just a really cool race to watch. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I would I would agree with that a hundred percent. That the thing that that what I'm just interested on to hear your opinion on is 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 this this field size the right field size to me? I think it's too big. I mean. Lionel hit it on in his video, but 64 guys, I mean, you turn into, yeah, I mean, no no offense, I just feel like that, yeah, I don't know. 65 is probably, is, you're probably pushing the envelope a little bit. Um, I think 50 is probably that sweet spot. I, you know, it, it's funny, right, because when I've done bike racing in the past, if we all had to be at a 12-meter draft rule, I would feel like that's a ton of space. Um, it's clear that the field wants to go up to a 20 meter draft roll, um, and, and over 80 K on the bike, you've got room to do that. Like that, that can, that can be made fine. St. George Mm -hmm. is a much more wide open course than what we've, than some other venues that we've seen. Um, but yeah, I, it's tough, right? Because there's not a lot of races to do. We could potentially cap the fields. I think. 
the reality is is that after about 30th place, the the depth really drops off. So I don't think it would hurt the race to to cap it like they do in Kona. Yeah, yeah. If you're getting if you're in the pro field and you're getting beat by over an hour, I think that a ranking system going back to a, a ranking system and slotting people in on based upon their rank and letting people into the race. And for and for the people that don't understand why everyone is pushing this 20 meter draffle, let let us explain it to you a little bit. Let's say that you're in an age group race and there's 15 of you of you and you guys are slotted out 15 meters exactly to a T. That's how these pro fields are. Now a train will be there'll be 15 athletes and they're slotted out 10 meters apart from each other. And I say 10 meters, it's actually 12 meters, but it's 10 meters from the from the back wheel, which they do it from the front wheel, which is kind of dumb anyways. But if you're wanting to pass one guy that's that's this is the same thing. Daniel Backegaard, if you're if you're aware of the race this weekend, he got disqualified from the race. There was a small group gap that opened up and Daniel Backegaard saw that gap and so he started going around people and that gap had opened up past 12 meters. This is where it gets really confusing. So if you're at the back of the race, the back of the train, and you want to make a pass around someone, you can't do that because that's called slotting in. So you will receive a five-minute penalty. So if you go to pass one person, you can't pass one person. You have to pass 15 guys that are all pushing 300 watts, and you have only X amount of seconds to pass each person. So if you if you make it halfway there and then the front of the the front of the race starts to put pressure down and ride harder, I mean there you go right there you get a 5 minute penalty if 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 the referee is timing you and then they start pushing harder at the front, you can't slot in, you can't go backwards, so you're overtaken and then and then you, and you get a 5 minute penalty. This is exactly what happened to Daniel Backegaard. He was trying to go around and he saw a gap open up. And then those guys stand up and started cranking at the same time. And it was, I think it was Sam Long. And Sam wasn't trying to interfere, but he, he felt the pace was getting picked up. So he stand up and started cranking. And then it made it to where Backegaard's pass was too long. And then he received a five-minute penalty, which ended his day. So the, the disqualification, though, it wasn't for him doing that. The disqualification was him not serving the penalty on the first loop of the run, which there's also been a lot of... Well, we'll, 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 we'll get that. we'll get back to that, but I mean, the, a five minute penalty in a cool so, field like this ends your day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, exactly. So, but if they went to twenty meters, you'd still have to make that same. You'd still have to make that same pass if there's a group of fifteen guys, correct? Yes and no. I think that you're not going to have as many problems with people slotting in because people aren't on the edge that much. If that makes any sense, because so it, it'd be so, it'd be twenty so, meter draft roll. It could open up to twenty three, twenty four, and you can slot in. It's the the thing about it is is that it's if you're twenty meters or you're twelve meters right now, you see someone coming, you're kind of like, I don't know. So in the case of, and at challenge races, it is twenty meters, or they it is they, twenty meters. But when they went to Daytona in Miami, they brought it down to twelve. Is that correct? Uh, no, they kept it at 20. They kept it at 20. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's an issue that they've got to sort out. I mean, we saw, we remember what the first couple laps of Daytona looked like, uh, you know, in December, and there was a there was a massive issue with drafting. Um, but those, but, but to 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 defend that a little bit though, those were those were all 
ITU guys that this was their first ever non-draft race, and so it was hard for them to understand. Understand, but not only that, you're on rules. a you're on a loop course. That that course is a really hard course to do it on. But I guess what we're getting at is just like all the pros want it. The time has come. We're not hurting the sport by doing it. We're not looking at Iron Man and saying, "You're you finally." Finally, we got you guys to do it. We won. It's it's the sport one, the racing one, the athletes one. So it's like the sport in general. Ironman won. So that that's the issue it turns into. But what 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 Kyle? Why Daniel Backegard was disqualified is he came into town and he ran into the penalty tent. And Pat, I don't know if you're aware of this. He ran into the penalty tent. and He said, "I'm here to serve my penalty." And they're like, "You don't have a penalty." And he's like. They told me I had a penalty on on the bike, and they're like, "Your number's not on the board." And he's like, "Okay." So he takes off running. Jeez. So, oh my. Iron Man wasn't even ready for him. I mean, so he yeah. takes off running. He runs up there, and there's a penalty board. His number's not even on it. So he takes mm-hmm. off running, and then he's disqualified because he didn't serve his penalty. Which, I don't know. It's a double-edged sword. If there was a 20 meter draft rule, probably wouldn't have happened. He probably should have stayed in the tent and served the penalty if someone gave him one. But it's just an all-round confusing... Iron Man should have been on top of it, raced radio in, wrote the number down. Yeah. I mean, it's just like... Yeah, and then, I mean... Or have a second penalty tent, right? So if it's an out-and-back court, obviously there's a lot of looped courses. This was just an out-and-back. No, I and disagree so, with the second penalty tent. It needs to be the first tent. You yeah, need to serve your penalty. It's it's clear that there's a that in this case there was an in, there was an information relay problem that you know their the information wasn't getting relayed to Daniel at, in an appropriate way at an appropriate time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, it's it, th- this is a problem for the race fields too. It's like you know how many officials were out on the course. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't imagine it's more than one or two per field, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Floating two, probably so two, two for the men's race and two for the women's. Just, but it's just that's it's it's challenging and how you're going to figure out how to relay that information and get it you on just the board. Take out your phone. Just text. Well, just I mean, text. I know, but I mean, it's just that there's there's an amount of people that need to be stationed around. I mean, when the amount of officials at like an ITU race compared to an Ironman race is insane. Oh, it's astronomical. It's it's just absolutely insane. So it's like there's just really not enough bodies, unfortunately, to get that information relayed around. Um, yeah, but it's yeah. but a, a simple race radio yeah. or a communication line, or but not only that, I think that a, a big issue this turns into is that pack was so long and so strung out of back and guard having to go around so many guys. If there was a limit to the field to the top ranked guys. Yeah, um, I mean, there's but tell, but the problem is there's still going to be it doesn't you can put a 50 person cap on it that mm-hmm. the top 20 guys are still going to be there, which is what so the be there, group, it, which is where he was which at. is where he's yeah. going to be. So yeah, you know, but I think I think where 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 I don't think that the pack will be as big, Pat, because the reason why the packs are big is because guys are drafting, and everyone rides at different speeds, and so I'm not sure. saying that I'm not saying there's not going to be a pack. I'm just saying yeah. that when you're 10 meters behind someone, you're getting a freaking draft. So yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna get off that wheel. When you're 20 meters behind, every it's gonna be a different race. It, it's, so. it's it's clear that there's a draft effect at at 10 that they should that they could bump out to 20 for the pros only and and see what kind of impact it has on the races. Yeah, yeah. Now I understand though, because I was a little I don't know how I feel about 
him being able to continue and stuff like that. Because during the live feed, we all knew that he had this penalty and he was going to be disqualified. But we didn't. And so fu- we would just assume that he was running the race just to run the race at that point. And interfering with the, the results of the race, like say, say Daniel puts in this massive surge, Lionel goes with him and out of freak thing, Lionel bonks. And then Sam Long gives the chance to go and get this victory. Yeah, it's my understanding Daniel did not have clear understanding of his disqualification until mile 11 on the yeah, run. Yeah, yeah, on the run. So, which which I, is the last two miles and which is where he got popped anyway. Yeah, I mean, but there was, I mean, when him, you know, when those two were going shoulder to shoulder, I, I thought there was a world where Daniel was going to Win the race. Win the race and then contest his disqualification. Contest his disqualification. Which I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, you might as well at that point. Yeah. If you know you're disqualified and you're still at the front of the race, you might as well just go and freaking... Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. I mean, it's a it's a double-edged sword, but yeah, it's he's definitely going to, I would say, receive a warning from Iron Man. Uh, like, if you ever do this again, then you, you won't race for the WTC ever again. I would say so. I don't think that's for that's him gonna... continuing the race or what. There, in the past, there was an athlete that received uh, Iron Iron Man sends out warnings to athletes if they do something bad, and they say that if, if this is your warning, I guess you'd say. So I think that he'll receive one. I mean, we'll, we'll only, well, I'm sure we'll circle around and see. But another funny thing that happened this weekend. Um, not funny, but Michael Raylert came back and raced again for the first time in a long time. And, of course, the, the Zwift triathlon champion of the world, Anthony Costas, was there racing. And at one point on the bike, uh, at the, almost at the top of Snow Canyon, Anthony Costas comes around everybody and is flexing as hard as he can, saying, like, I'm, I'm one of the best bikers here. Rides up to the front of the race, passes Sam, and then Sam's like, hell no. Sam repasses him, and then... Costas gets shot right out the back. Probably burned his matches and stuff. But he dropped out of the race. And and that's something that we see a whole lot, Pat, is a lot of these pro athletes, when they're they'd rather drop out of the race than get after 10th place. Michael Raylert, the reason why I say him, he called Anthony Costas out on this and was like, It's bad of you, it's unprofessional of you to drop out, blah, 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 blah. What's what's kind of your thoughts on that? Of, of an athlete that's not going to place top 10, but then just calls it a day because they don't want their sponsors or I guess the result to be on them. I mean, it's, I would say it's not another, it's not another athlete business or duty to call them out on a DNF. I would just say like, it's, if your plan is to DNF and you want to keep doing that, if you're not going to get top 10, I think you're on a pretty slippery slope. Uh, and and I don't like you don't you just don't want to get in a mindset of traveling across the globe and then you're going to DNF because you're you're going to get eleventh versus ninth like that's that's not a pathway that you want to uh, that you want to go down and as a former racer myself like you can fall into that DNF trap every now and then but that that's not a place that you want to hang out. It's not good mentally. It's not good physically. And I mean, if you DNF three out of the four races that you enter and you only have one result for the year, sponsors are going to be like, look at you and be like, what the frick? You only raced one time? Yeah. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I DNF'd at these races. Yeah, I would have won, but and I didn't. And look at you yeah. and they're like... It was, for, for all the people that probably watched the Zwift Pro Tri-Series races, I think it gave them some ease of mind that uh, 
Anthony Costas just, is not a world, was served. Uh, not a justice world was served. tour cyclist, as he proved on the. Um, not saying that he can't be, but not not probably not as as hot as it was. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm gonna. I, I don't know anything about the Zwift stuff. I know what I know what you're speaking about with the Zwift stuff. All I'll say in defense of of uh, Zwift is there are people that specialize at Zwift that will not have the chops uh, in real world application and vice versa. So mm-hmm. courses for courses, um, and we'll just you know we'll see what the next race brings. Yeah, I w- and and I will say one thing on this. Daniel Backegaard is mad. He's fired up. He's hot. And this just only sets up an even better battle now in Tulsa because the guy's going to come back for blood. I mean, he's obviously, he's came over here. He's, he, wanted to, he wanted to win both races, both championships. And so he's going to be on a mad hot streak back for revenge in Tulsa. So we will see a good, good battle. I can tell you right now between him and Sam. Can we talk about the shoe situation at St. George for a second? You want to talk about how the top five males were all wearing Nikes, or <laughs> I? I mean, yeah, I do. I I, I think it's um, I'm I'm ready to see. You know, the the problem is is it's it's tough to get right now. It's challenging to get the competitor shoes. You can't get the the Adidas or the Asics, right? Um, I'd love to see if there's another if there's another brand that gets thrown into the mix. Um, and if that will, if if two years from now, are we going to see the top five in Nikes, or are we going to see a, a you know back to how it was uh, four or five years ago, and there's a more even spread? Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering when K Swiss is going to get back in the game. <laughs> shoot, I, I mean, shoot. it's it's. I mean, you've 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 got companies trying right now, right? Like On is trying, Puma's trying, Asics, Adidas. I mean, they're they're making an effort. So it's just it's. I was speaking with another coach who had an athlete in the race who wasn't wearing Nikes. And he's just like, is that, you know, what, what does that look like? Is that making a, I have to believe that's making a massive impact. Mm -hmm, I'm mm -hmm. I'm boring. I'm boring Talbot. He's on the gram right now. No, no, you're good. (laughs) I'm, 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 I'm looking at times. I'm going to, I'm going to actually look at the run times, like how, how big of a difference they were. Not only this, but, but for the women's race, let's, let's dive into the women's race. Yep. I mean, Andres, Daniela, uh, I mean, I, I want to say this in the nicest way possible, but she really stuck it to, to everyone else in the race. Um, coming off the bike with over a five minute, over an eight minute lead coming off the bike. I mean, no surprise here, I'd say. I mean, she's Lionel, Lionel and I were in the hot tub after the race talking, and he's like, oh my God, I'm at mile one running up the St. George Boulevard and I look over and I see Daniela and I, and he goes, and I like completely zoned out of my race. Cause I'm trying to do math. Like, Oh my God, did she outbike us? <laughs> like, how is she coming into town? And I'm, and I'm all in my, he said, he's trying to reverse do the math and yeah, make sure she well, didn't outbike she, him. Yeah. I mean, she certainly outbiked it. I haven't looked at the results, but she clearly, I mean, she, she biked at 214. So she, but I mean, how many men did she outbike? It had to be a lot. Oh, good. God. Oh, I mean, she was only 12 minutes back from Lionel. So, yeah, yeah, just I mean, just you know, insane. So when you do that, you know, you can trot around on the run and still win by four minutes. So yeah, that, that's why you know she. That's why she's best in class. So good, um, good, good little workout day that she didn't have to go to the well for her for Tulsa. She's in good form for Tulsa. So I think it's yeah. going to be a great, great battle there. Um, 
Great, great race for second place, right? Yeah. I mean, fantastic race for second place. Um, Jeannie Metzler yeah, just Jeannie, seems, seems Jeannie to be and in, Emma. Yeah, they both they both just seem to be in great shape and tracking really well. And you know, I don't think it's it's not something that you know Daniela had a little bit of a buffer, but I don't see that as something where you can hang out and just like keep being safe. Like Daniela's going to be biking because she doesn't want to run against either of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So it's just like. Yeah, so I, I, again, just another another fantastic race from the women's field. Um, tons of, you got these fields that are loaded up. It's I, I think the three of us we each submitted our picks for podiums and we were all way off for yeah, the weekend. Yeah, both both yeah. races. Yeah. So yeah. I I had like I had like Lionel Backegaard, um, Chris Lieferman, and Lieferman yeah. was extremely far off. So it just it just shows you like that's I mean when we're getting the picks that wrong I mean we uh, the the depth of the field is is there so is deep is deep and and that's 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 one thing I think a lot of people were were talking about Holly I mean originally we had thought that Holly and uh, Danielle were going to have it out for the battle I, I chat had a chance to chat with Sean after the race and uh, I'm sure a lot of age groupers can attest to this uh, when Holly dove into the water at the swim start from what from what I heard. She just became like hypoxic. It's kind of like diver's reflex when the water's just like that cold and stuff, and, and like her heart just like raced. And so um, we actually looked it up when we were driving with Lionel, and basically your 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 heart tries to slow down because it's trying to warm your body. So I'm not really for sure what happened to her, but I know at the start of the swim, she it's where she lost the race. And Holly is a person that needs that 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 extra minute to two minutes on the swim to come out. I mean, if you look at her result right now. If if you'd just given her one more minute on that swim over over those girls, she would have gotten third place. But not only that, you can't even just do the swim time. It's the fact that she would have rode probably with that Emma and um, Emma Pollan Paula group and Paula group, or maybe even rode up the road from them a little bit more. So when 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 you're not when you're not that swim, just it, it can it can't win you the race, but it can definitely lose you the race. So. I think that I think that's I, I so I think that Holly's on pretty good form. I think that once you're that far down, but I will say hats off to her for finishing the race. It's kind of like what we just talked about the, about the DNF thing. And where, did Holly any, went did all it, way through. Did any athletes complain about being cold on the first part of the bike, just given how you know how cold the water was? And I don't hopping know. Out on the, hopping out onto the bike. I don't know. So, I know that the temp, water temperature was 61 degrees, which is pretty uh, pretty chilling. So cool. yeah, not 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 really for sure. So. But but just just to touch on Sam Long, uh, we got to give the guy credit uh, where it's due. Uh, I was in Lionel's racing series. I was able to touch base with Ryan Bolton, uh, and we actually interviewed him in the video. And I asked him. I said, "Is Sam Long overtrained?" And he he said, "There's only one we're going to see if Sam Long's overtrained. If Sam Long's flat and dead on race day, and he is not able to perform or hang with the top guys, then Sam Long's overtrained. If Sam Long throws down an incredible performance and finishes in the podium, then uh, Sam Long's." not overtrained so yeah hats off to him i mean he talked it all week and was able to back it up yeah and i think you know it was clear uh when lionel stretched it going up the hill on the bike path uh sam was really under pressure there uh it's no secret and then they came into the downhill and all of a sudden really from 4k to 1k to go sam looked fantastic uh, yeah, I I did I did not know what the finish would be like. So, 
for Sam to fight through a rough patch like that and get back on and run shoulder to shoulder uh, with Lionel. Uh, I mean, what can you say? It was really, really impressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And Tubba, definitely, can you definitely. just can you just kind of speak to the the energy of the race and what it was like to be at a, be at an event again with just I mean I could not believe how many with the people, fans and everything. Just, I mean, awesome. it was one of those moments where, especially for me, I I it's always hard for me to not cheer um, on the race course. Then again, I cheer for everyone. I mean, every time back guard ran by me, I'd yell at him as. Be like, get up there, and like, and yell and all that. But like, when it just comes down to the final 5K, and you just got to keep your mouth shut because it's like it's anyone's game, and you don't want to like. It's, it's for me as a neutral position, it's hard. Um, of course, I'm a little bit biased in some sense, but it's good for the sport. But I mean, the energy there. I will say this: I can't even believe how many people were screaming "Yo, yo, yo." When we were on the top of snow or uh, whatever that St. George Boulevard is, when we were coming down, there's so many age groupers. At one point during the run, Lionel looked over at Sam in the video and says, wow, I didn't think that I wasn't going to be the race favorite here. Like, say, they had a comment like that. You got a lot of fans. And, and Sam made a joke back and was like, I don't know. I only hear your fans. So, I mean, it, it was just, it was so exciting it was so energetic. That course is just incredible. But not only that, they do two loops on that course for World Championship. And so that the World Championship there is going to be just phenomenal. Uh, and, but and a, and a much harder run course for World Championships, correct? Mm, I don't know if it'll be harder. Uh, you do isn't, have to climb it twice. The first, you do have to first... do the big climb. That's what I'm That's saying. The first slow, slow, the, long climb. But I yeah. will say, I looked at it today. I spent about ten minutes. I ended up getting on map my ride, and, and the only way I could get the uh, the percentage downhill for for 600 meters. Get this, Pat. For 600 meters, the athletes run uh, downhill at 11 percent grade. So your quads are just getting blown. Oh my god! They do that twice in the World Championship course. 11 percent grade, dude. That is like insane. So. They run the 0.9 miles, so just over 1.2 kilometers. The final point, 1.2 kilometers, 0.9 miles, whatever they, if that might be off a little bit, is at an average of 7% grade downhill of the race. So it is going to be, the coming home is going to be coming home hot for 70.3 Worlds. It's, it's going to be a phenomenal race. So, Any other thoughts I, to take I, what are, what else? Do I, yeah, I do, I do, I do see a, I do see a note that Kyle wrote in our show notes. I do got to point out, Sophie Watts with the fastest female run split. So that was, uh, okay. that's pretty by over thirty two seconds over Jeannie Seymour. So a lot of people, uh, I mean, rant and rave. Uh, Jeannie is an incredible runner. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I did not know that Stephanie had that in her. So once Sophie. she figures out that swim advice, Sophie. Sorry. Yep. So yeah. And- yep. And she's the one that came over from the college recruitment program into 70.3 racing at Texas. Wow. Mm-hmm. And okay. was able to get on the podium at Texas. So. Wow. And where, yeah. I'm sorry. Where did, so where did she end up on Saturday? Um, um, seventh. Yeah, okay, seventh cool. place. Yeah, yeah, seventh place. So overall, overall though, I mean, uh, uh, a, a weekend like this, Pat, uh, Pat, you asked me that question earlier. Uh, in text message or on the phone, I think you said, do you, do you think triathlon is growing? 
And I, I don't really know. I don't know how to answer that. I just know that from a media standpoint, it's exploding. So it seems like it seems like there's a really good energy about it right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely, 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 definitely. So, yeah, everyone, everyone wants a YouTube channel right now. People are reaching out to me to get a YouTube channel. So, <laughs> if you're if you're new up and coming triathlete in college or something, <laughs> do YouTube videos. <laughs> That's right. That's absolutely right. So the other race this weekend was Challenge Cancun. Uh, not much from that race. I mean, when you when you got kind of like. Pat, you can hit on it. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm happy that it happened. I, I wish I could have been, I'd love to go to Cancun and see a triathlon. Um, yeah, that's about, I mean, that's about all I've got to say about it. Good race for hockey. Javier Gomez had the mariachi band playing as he crossed the finish line, got a big sombrero on his head. Yeah, he's ready yeah. to go. I mean, clearly he's he's going there. You know, Javier can do a little bit different program because he's going to try and win a, a you know gold medal at the Olympics this year. So his, his preparation this year can be a little bit different and he can do his own thing. So yeah, good, good for those guys. The real question is, is who do you think is going to be the most fatigued going into Yokohama? Is it going to be Javier Gomez or is it going to be Ben Canute? Uh, I mean, it's going to be, cause Ben's done two seventy point threes now at this point. So obviously the obvious choice is going to be Ben. Yeah. I, I mean, but also Ben has the most that he the most to lose technically. Yeah, because I don't. I mean, he needs to get a result. I'm assuming that I'm assuming that Javier's pathway to the Olympics is a little bit uh, safer than Ben's. Um, ben to earn it on the day has to be first U.S. athlete top eight. Uh, I think given the dynamics, I have the start list I haven't come out for that race. I do see a breakaway being a possibility there, but. Uh, ITU racing in the past has the way that they've set up the courses with so many 180s it really leans uh, towards groups coming together so when you have a 180 on a course it's just so easy for the back group to always break three seconds later and then just float right in um, to the front group so yeah we'll see Ben's I mean Ben's obviously got the biggest stakes um, you know it's no secret he was public about you know how he felt about his result at St. George certainly did worse than we anticipated. Um, you know, he's, he's going to want to make the Olympic team now. Yeah, definitely. Well, but before, before we move on from Cancun, I do want to hit on some, some pretty exciting news in the women's field. Um, I'm probably butchering her name. It's either Sika or Sika Henry, uh, was able to qualify and get yeah. her pro card, which she's the first ever, uh, I don't want to say African American female pro pro female. I could be corrected on that, but uh, U.S. USA uh, black athlete that's that's a professional athlete, which is just that's really really cool for our sport. You don't see a lot of uh, African Americans or black athletes in our sport, and so it's extremely extremely cool to see the um, yeah just see something like that. So hats off to her. I shot her a congratulation message, and she was just so stoked on on her performance, and she said it was a performance of a lifetime. So She's excited to uh, get out there and start racing with the pros. Has there ever been an African American male pro? Yeah, Tiago. US? Tiago. I don't know about from the U.S., but Tiago's a pretty rad dude. He's he's from Brazil, and he's so so fun, so so exciting. I love it. Um, but not not nothing other than that from from that race. I mean. It's kind of like you don't hear much about those races when there's uh, such a stacked field like like St. George going on. Elsewhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
looks like Eric Lagerstrom's having some wheel issues in Alabama. <laughs> I did see that. I did see that. Rolling into the uh, the races this weekend and uh, the Alabama, the Xterra race. I saw Eric Lagerstrom's. All of his wheels were his skewers were bent up. It's gonna be him and uh, no, Starkowitz. He's, he's no, got his spokes. spokes. He broke spokes. like four spokes. Yeah, him, oh, Starkowitz, and who else? Bradley Wise. Bradley Wise. Yeah, I, I've always when I saw that Eric was gonna do this race, I think that it is like. It's built for him. I mean, it's like this is the kind of racing he should have always been doing, building a name for himself. He's fast. Uh, Yeah, I'm excited he's getting into this. Hats off to him. Bradley threw a little bit of shade at Eric uh, on the Triathlon Camel podcast last week, if you listened to that. What did he say? He was just like, I don't think these guys know what they're doing because Bradley's obviously defending Xterra World Champion and... He's done this race before and things like that, but there's there leaves a lot of uh there's a lot of uncertainty going on with uh triathlon and with sports and stuff like that right now. So I think it's perfect opportunity for for someone like Eric to come into a, a new venue and and really shake things up. Yeah, essentially there's Xterra Oak Mountain this weekend, um, and it's an Xterra race, and you have. Bradley Wise, uh, Starkowitz, and Eric are going to go at it this weekend, so I'm sure we'll fill you in uh, next week on the results. But And there's a heck of a lot of other pros that we have no idea who the heck they are for, yeah. from the Xterra side. And so. other news, an athlete that was supposed to race in uh, St. George's last weekend, Sebastian Keenley, uh, we, we chatted about him on the, on the podcast that we don't know if he's dealing with an injury or what, but he got released to race, so he is going to race. And I don't want to butcher the word, so Kyle, you can say it. Challenge Raccoon. You just gotta say it like you're Italian. Rissione. Rissione. Sounds awesome. Challenge Raccoon sounds a lot better to me because that's what it looks like to me. <laughs> Rissione. Yeah, so Sebi's race there this weekend. Not a lot on the start list. I think uh, Tom Davis, but I mean, I'm, it's good to see that, that Sebastian is released to uh, race. So that's gonna be, I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on uh, next week on the results on that. So. And Pablo de Pina, so. Pablo, Pablo de Pina. What else is new, Pat, this weekend with, with uh, Yokohama? Do you got any, any news for us? What are the athletes Has it been canceled yet? <sighs> Yokohama hasn't been canceled yet. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, need, I need to do a little bit more digging and kind of understand what's going on with each individual um, nation and how they're going to look at it and, and the importance of it. So we've got to do a little bit better deep dive. Um, I'm thrilled for ITU Racing to return. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be really high stakes and it'll be interesting you know what athletes we you've always kind of got two races that are going on uh in these scenarios where it's the athletes that are already qualified that are just racing and then the athletes that have qualification going on in the middle of them so mm-hmm. lots to pay attention to yeah definitely definitely and we will have next week have chelsea burns on the show chelsea we plan on bringing her on a little bit let her uh get her feet wet. She has a lot more uh, ITU knowledge for us. Uh, we aren't as, um, I guess, aren't feeded that knowledge as much and aren't in, in the game as much as someone like her now. So uh, shoot, if you have any advice or know of anything or, or you're a pro athlete and you can explain your uh, ranking system a little bit more, shoot Chelsea a message because we're going to have her on next week to chat about Yokohama and also kind of like, yeah, the U.S. side of things on, on what they plan to do and stuff great so let's dive into the hot takes 
We've hit on a lot of these hot takes. So we're, we can rehash them out. You want to rehash them out? Uh, I mean... Well, the biggest the biggest one that we got to deal with... Um, you want to go with Lucy Charles first? No, I want to go... The shoes? Uh, I mean, sure. That, that to what do you want to do, Pat? Well, what do you want to do? Tell us what you want to do. We never do what you want to do. I wanna, Tell us what you want to do. I want to talk about Iron Cowboy. Iron Cowboy. Right. Which we didn't have on here. But, I mean, this... This getting essentially this cease and desist letter from Iron Man over what he's doing is just like, guys, what are you doing? It's just so disappointing to to read that. Um, he's obviously, he's got a big, you know, he's got so much momentum behind him. He's gone way further than I thought he would. So he's already putting me to shame. Um, I still don't know, you know, I, I, wanna, I wanna have a chat with him and get him on here and figure out like, dude, I just want to know what bike shorts he's using because I am like, how do you, how are you doing this? Um, yeah. And what are you eating? You know, like those are those are the kind of questions that I want to I want to figure out. So anyway, that's I was really bummed to read that report um, that he put out on his IG and, and talk about how he's kind of getting I mean, he's getting harassed, really. I mean, I just think it's ridiculous. So bum, bummer for him. I understand when you're a brand, you need it. You need to. uh protect your IP, um, protect your name and your brand and stuff, but it's kind of like Iron Cowboy's never once said in his words he's doing Iron Man events. If you're not filled in on the situation, basically Iron Man sent Iron Cowboy a cease and desist, basically being like, don't use our name and our brand. We saw in CNN and New York Times and all this stuff that you used our name. And he's like, I can't control your editors, right? He's like, I want nothing to do with you guys. So, dude, and you know, and the thing is, dude, they could have, they could have gone, they could have gone there and gotten a photo op instead. It said like, we're supporting them through this process. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's just exactly. Like, it, it would have been so easy to, to lift him up and support him. And instead they got to pull something like that. So it's just, I don't know. I'm just, it's sour. It's just it's real, sour. It's just really Some, disappointing. Someone like Iron Cowboy inspires people to go sign up for let alone a 70.3 or even maybe an Ironman. And the fact that your company does that, I mean, it's a double-edged sword. I think it's dumb, but yeah, it's it's just the truth of the matter. So it was very unfortunate to see that. But hats off to Iron Cowboy. Keep, keep, uh, keep killing it, man. I think he's like doing 65 today. And his response to it. He was a class act. He's like, hey, bro, I'm like busy <laughs> running 16-hour days right now trying to complete all these... All these iron distance races. I texted him. I texted him uh, two days ago when he posted that, and I texted him three or four times throughout the thing, and he hadn't replied to me, which I didn't wouldn't expect him to. The guy's busy as hell. I sent him the um, the crazy ones post uh, that what Steve Jobs did in the Apple commercial. I said like the here's to the crazy ones, the rebels, the misfits, the troublemakers, blah blah. blah. And I texted him and after that. I said I love you, big dog. Keep doing what you're doing. And he said thanks, stud. Means a lot. He said, when am I going to see your sweet ass out here? I keep expecting you to roll up on a van to take some pictures. Hope to see you soon. So he's he's in good spirits. Uh, I plan to get out there and get and just see him, encourage him, uh, and get some pictures and stuff. So keep, keep at it, Iron Cowboy. Um, the other thing was the Michael Rayler, Anthony Costas drama on Instagram. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Michael Rayler on this one. I, I hate when athletes DNF, but then again, I'm not a professional athlete, so I can't say much. I don't know what it's like. 
And then the final thing is Kyle mentioned it. But if people if people didn't hear about the Anthony Costas and and Michael Rayler drama, basically Michael commented on Anthony's post on Instagram saying like have some respect for the racers, other racers in the in the race. Have some respect for the volunteers that are there. Have some respect for the the actual course itself and your other um, pro athletes. And so Anthony and him went back and forth and things like that. And Michael basically was telling him like, "There's more. There's more to this than just you." Yeah. And yeah. so. Cool. I I'm with you. I I don't know what what I can't remember the exact quote, but someone said at one point, um, whenever you DNF or quit a race, it's not only disrespectful to you, but it's also disrespectful to your competitors because you got to just sit there and you got to take the butt whooping that you're gonna get. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is what it is. All right, what's next? It is what it is. Okay, we talked about capping regional events. I think even less than you guys. I think it should be capped at 40 or the possibility. I wrote this, but I I don't know how I feel, if I feel strongly about it, but even doing maybe two pro waves, like an A wave and a B wave. No, not at all. You could never do that. It's kind of like the... could. There's completely different race dynamics. There's no way. It's just just the problem is, is you never want to be the person that wins the B wave. Well, or like a rookie wave. Or, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, high B, high B, high B used to do a pro field and an elite field. And the elite field would were extremely fast age groupers that didn't want people to be in their way. And probably people, well, yeah, you couldn't, but you couldn't be a pro racing in the elite field. So it's people that were trying to get their pro card. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But you can't, you can't, it's not a fair race for the pros. So they should have just capped it at 40, and everyone else should have went to Cancun. Yeah, yeah it is what I it is. Agree. It is what it is. Okay, what's the final one? And then the the post from, I believe it was yesterday, Lucy Charles running around the track with the new Asics. Uh, I know you don't like talking about shoes. Everyone's sick of hearing about shoes. It, it's, it's the same as Lionel. Lionel, Lionel wears... Hoka's Lionel wears Brooks. He'll wear some of his Skechers sometimes. I mean, if you if you just scroll right down on Lucy's post uh, the other day on a track workout, she was wearing some Brooks. I think that ultimately everyone's going to race if they don't have a shoe sponsor in Nikes if they feel comfortable doing it. But everyone's not going to train in Alpha Flies. They're going to wear shoes that they enjoy. So I'm sure she's just testing out some shoes. I'm sure Asics maybe sent her some shoes. I don't know, Pat. You could probably hit on it. I mean, she's probably in an LSD period with shoes. Look, search, discover, find what find what's going to be the best. Exactly, know? exactly. So, it is what it is. All right, you guys enjoy. Do you guys have any more hot takes to uh, contribute to the podcast for this week? I'm, I'm I really need to know um, from Daniela if she's gotten our advice, my advice about Blue Dome Cafe on her way to Tulsa. So. That's kind of that's what I've got my next three weeks. That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> Why don't I love you come it. down for the race, Pat? Come and hang out with us. We do we can do a podcast live, all three of us together. Yeah, I would love to. Um, we're gonna do that for seventy point three worlds, one thousand percent. I think we should even do. We could even be doing a couple. We could be doing like you know one a week uh, every day leading in. We could do a race week podcast series. 
Whoa, whoa. You're just a little bit tighter turn. They don't have to be 50 minutes, but um, I'd love to have some more. I, I think it was, I love that Talbot's on this week, but it's really been nice to have athletes on. So I'm excited yeah. for Chelsea to be on next week. We'll do it. We'll do it. And I and I actually will probably be a little busy next week. I think I'm going to roll into Sedona and go hang out with um, with Danielle. That's where she's going to camp out for the next couple weeks. So, Pat. We're going to get that answered. We're going to get that answered. You're going to get her to Blue Dome Cafe. Yep. Where is the cafe at? It's in the down, Blue Dome District down, downtown. Down, downtown Tulsa, yeah. We're going to get a picture of Danielle in front of it. See. Hey, now. All nice. right. Love it. Thanks, Thanks right, guys. I'm out. Have a good one. We'll talk to you later.